that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. And this is a texture-driven pod. Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. We're eight games into the season with a month left in the regular season and just wanting to get a gauge from the fan base about how they feel about starting quarterback Tom McCord. He's 8-0. He's got 2,163 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. It's 9.4 yards per attempt completing 64.1% of his passes. His pro football focus grade is 73.8. Just for some rankings there, he's second in yards, second in yards per attempt, and second in percentage in the Big Ten, 22nd in yards, tied for 36, tied for 10th, and then tied for 44th nationally in those categories in that same order. While with touchdowns right now, he's third, and he's third in the Big Ten and tied for 36 in the the country right now. Nathan, just off – We've had this conversation a lot, obviously, about what the expectation for what Kyle McCord should be this year, what may be required of him versus what's been required of quarterbacks in the past, namely C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins, and this run of Ryan Day quarterbacks. My first question to the Texers was, we do this after every game, do this after eight games, grade Kyle McCord. Uh, I mean, I think we've pretty consistently been in like a – B minus C plus situation with Kyle. And I think recency bias would maybe push that towards C plus, but I think the totality of everything he's done through eight games would probably still fall in a B minus B situation. It's just a matter of, I think the story for him is though not the totality, it's the trend. And then the trend gets complicated by how much he might or might not be battling an injury or, or, or playing through pain, I guess, playing through a situation right now. So I would still say, I mean, I think anything in that B minus C plus range sounds fair to me. And I actually might've even argued for something higher until I, I looked into some, a, a very specific comparison that we made that we can talk about later that I think is where he still needs to reach for in the last four games here. Andrew, where are you before I get into some text or grades? I'm kind of in that B minus C plus range too. I think, you know, you look at some of the games that he played early on and the, I, I, I understand the, you know, the, the notion that, you know, you don't want, you know, the last game or two to kind of cloud your judgment. You kind of want this to be a full picture, right? You, you know, you don't want to be, as they say, too close to the painting to see the whole thing, but you know, I will say that, you know, you did expect to see some kind of growth. And I think you've seen growth in some areas, but you haven't in others. You know, I think some of the mistakes that you would have want to get cleaned up early on in the season are still kind of lingering around. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in that B minus C plus range. Um, I don't think you can say that he's been the reason that they've won, you know, you know, a lot of these games. I think that he's been I mean, look, I, the Notre Dame game was a great end of the game drive. Um, but you know, going into that, they only had 10 points and I, I just, I'm kind of in that range because there has been good, but there are mistakes that you thought were, you think could get cleaned up and you thought would, you know, if you would have asked us, I mean, we're recording this pod two months after the Indiana game. If, if you would have said that some of these mistakes, these turnover mistakes are still kind of lingering, 
you would have had a problem. So I, I think that that's probably a fair, you know, a fair way to assess him. So a lot of the Texers in that B minus C plus range as well. 53% of Texers said B, 44% said C. And then there's a couple of votes that were D's and A's, but mostly B's and mostly C's. From the 614, I was close to saying a B because he's been enough and showed signs, but I can't get over all these dumb decisions, intentional groundings and turnover worthy plays. So C with a lot of room to improve the talent is there from the 312. McCord is going to be at best a B, B minus player, and we all need to adjust our expectations. Not fault to, no fault to him. It's just, it is what it is. He's got the best wide receiver room in the country by far, and he's been average. The recruiting has made a massive mistake not looking for an alternative, alternative in my opinion. Like I said, all over the place with how some people have viewed some of this stuff. And I told these guys before we started recording, some of the responses might make people make a face. Nathan is already making a face, which means he's going to want to say something about that, about that. But let me get through this last one. And then Nathan, you can touch on what you want to touch on. From the 574, I think Kyle McCord has been okay. Not good. Not awful. Just okay. I know his numbers say he's been a top QB in the Big Ten, but I would argue no Marvin Harrison Jr. will be so in much worse numbers. Against Penn State, a lot of balls were thrown behind or in the wrong spot, and if it weren't because of Marv being who he is, they may not have even been caught. There is going to be a game where he'll – there is going to be a game where he'll be put in a lot of spots where he has to get points, and I just don't think he can do that. So, obviously in a range, Nathan, you made a face. (laughs) <laughs> so well, just react <laughs> I, I i i made a face at the like that they they didn't fix this with recruiting i don't know what else they were supposed to do with recruiting mm-hmm. necessarily i mean they have both common quarters a five-star devin brown was a, a top 100 highly ranked guy you know you you had two options and this is the one that won out and you most programs don't even have that even like high level programs don't always necessarily have a common court and a Devin Brown to go against each other. I think this isn't where we need to go with this pod necessarily, but I also think that the way that CJ Stroud has started his career is something to keep in mind here, his NFL career that I think that it, it reflects how spoiled Ohio state fans have been for the last couple of years with the quarterback play that they've been able to watch. And again, that doesn't excuse when you start making some of the mistakes or when you make some of the mistakes that Common Court has made. And he would, I think, be the first person to say that. I just think that I, when you look at what we thought coming into this season, like, I, I think the whole crux of the conversations we we're having in the preseason was like, if we get to the end of the year and we're saying Common Court B, B minus, aren't we also saying that that might be good enough for this team to win the games, all the games that it wants to win if all these other things happen? And by the way, all those other things that we thought were going to happen haven't happened. But the defense is better than we even expected. But the running game mm-hmm. hasn't been as good as we thought it was going to be. We they he hasn't had Mecca Buka for a month. Like you could, yes, Marvin Harrison Jr. has been amazing, but that was baked into why we thought he didn't have to be an A plus A quarterback, right? So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that the Com Accord that we're seeing right now is significantly astray from the common chord that we, when I say we, I mean the people on this podcast were sort of envisioning at, at this point of the season. 
And the overall texture response, that was the last question I asked as well, is given the makeup of this roster, does Ohio State need its QB to be elite to win a national title? 77% said no. So 77% of our texters are in line with us. It's just everybody deserves a voice. Even the 23% who don't think so, they deserve a voice in this as well. To your spoiled point, Nate Ardle, we have been spoiled over many years of exceptional quarterbacks. While Kyle's progress is not tracking the same at the same pace as the past three quarterbacks at this point in his career, he is not light years removed from them, which I think I agree with. I don't think he's that far behind. He's just made some very simple mistakes that, as they talked about, sometimes all it takes is one mistake to cost you a game, but he's just made some very simple mistakes that they weren't necessarily making at this point. He will continue to get better, but he may not get much better this year because we are we because we have a truly elite defense. He probably doesn't need to get a lot better. We have every shot to beat Michigan and win a national championship if he doesn't make egregious mistakes. As I watched him against Wisconsin, I was frustrated by the mistakes, but the sheer amount of negativity of many in the fan base is unhealthy for them and him. We really don't have a better alternative, so let's quiet down, enjoy our great defense, and assume he will improve a bit down the stretch. So there are people who are in line with your thinking, Nathan, that I, I think the, it's a good word to use, spoiled. And it's we're, we're not using it to attack the fan base. We're just saying that it's not normal. I, I said it earlier on a pod earlier this year that Ohio State's had three straight first-round quarterbacks. The only other school who has done that in the past 25 years is Alabama, and we're seeing what they're going through now that they're trying to find their fourth. They're struggling maybe a lot more than Ohio State is struggling to this point because it's already cost them a game. So there are fans out there who are in line with the not every quarterback is going to be a top 15 draft pick and be awesome eight weeks into the season. It does take some time here. Andrew, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I, I look across the country. You know, look at other teams in the country that are kind of going through this similar thing. Like, you could argue that Alabama and Ohio State are – stylistically similar, you know, com especially compared to the last few years, like Alabama's had Mac Jones and um, Bryce Young and Tua, and you, they've had really good quarterbacks. And now they're struggling a quarterback. And I think they're struggling maybe more than Ohio State is a quarterback. And, you know, I think you look at Alabama's roster in the same way that you probably look at Ohio State's roster and go, man, they have a lot there. Just if they could figure out quarterback, Everything else would be everything else would just kind of fall into place. And like, look at Clemson. And I'm sorry not to go Tyler from Spartanburg on everybody, but Clemson's bad. Like Clemson's four and four. And they went Welcome from home. <laughs> like I yeah, well, Steven and I picked Clemson to make the college football playoff this year. So I feel very bad huh. about that. Eh, the season's young. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the uh, 24 team playoff is starting this year, right? Is that uh, is that what we're doing? This is like a March Madness style playoff. Will they even make the 24 team college football playoff? Uh, no, because uh, they. Uh, I actually no, think they wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't. Yeah, they, they, they're they're on. You know, they're going to put Notre Dame on upset alert this weekend. But if they lose this weekend, they're four and five, which is crazy. They're under five hundred. But anyway, like look at look at Clemson. Like Clemson's had Trevor Lawrence, and then they had the next great thing in DJ Uangalale, and he kind of just crashed and burned. And now he's at Oregon State, where I think he's playing better. Um, and Cade Klubnick is not exactly lighting the world on fire. 
and Clemson's four and four. And like these were the programs that Ohio State was comparing themselves to for so many years, right? It was Clemson. It was, you know, Clemson with Watson and Lawrence. It was Bama with, you know, Tua and Mac Jones and Bryce Young. Like it was all and Jalen Hurts. It was all these quarterbacks that were great. And so I also like I want people to understand, like you said, it's not normal to have this. You know, look at look at Penn State. Like Penn State has Drew Aller and then and then what? And then you've got some questions behind him. You don't really know. Like you don't have a Devin Brown behind Drew Aller that you could realistically turn to. There's just not that competition. And you've you don't got even have a Tristan like Jebbia behind him. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't. Like you like think about the schools that Ohio State has played, like Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame had Sam Hartman and they had to go get him out of the portal. And then what else do they have behind Sam Hartman? Their starting quarterback last year transferred and then like they don't really have much like this is not normal for Ohio State and I want to say that but it's also this is kind of happening elsewhere around the country like where are the best quarterbacks in the country right now like Washington LSU Michigan like North Carolina the USC like it's not they're not centralized at the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Ohio States like they were you know, a few years ago, this is, you know, th- this happens and it, it's, I don't want to say it's okay because you, you never want to just settle for okay. But I mean, this happens. You're, you're not going to bat a thousand. You're not going to have a number one pick until the sun burns out at quarterback. So let's get into some impressions of Kyle McCord. That was another question. What's been your impression of him so far? One answer was he's, he's better than I expected. He's about what I expected him to be, and he's worse than I expected. Andrew, we'll start with you. What was your answer to the question? And then what do you think the Texer's answer to the question was? You know, I think my expectation, I'm going to say he's about what I expected in a different way, uh, and I'll get into that in a minute. I'm going to say the Texers think he's worse than expected. Um, I think the Texers think he's worse than expected. I think he's about what I expected in a different way. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that he was, you know, through eight games, he was going to have, you know, over 2000 yards passing, you know, 14 touchdowns, really low interception rate. I would have said, okay, you know, that's about what I expected. I think that if you would have told me that they were going to play Notre Dame and Penn State so close. Uh, I would have had questions about having, you know, a quarterback in those situations. So he's better. Like if you would have told me going in that, hey, Kyle McCord is going to have to mount a drive in the final seconds against Notre Dame to go win the game. I I don't know if I would have said he could do that in his fourth career game this season, or I guess fourth game this season, not fourth career game. Um, So there have been moments that have been better than I expected. The having three interceptions feels misleading because there have been, I know two of them came against Wisconsin. And again, I'm not trying to use recency bias. There have been some kind of moments of disaster where you kind of put your hands on your head and go, Oh no. Like there have just kind of been those moments I think for with, with McCord where it's like, what, what, what was that? Like, what, like, what is he looking at? And no, you know, that's the progression of a young quarterback. That's going to happen. But I think that, you know, we talked before the year that, he is he a Heisman candidate? I, like I, I don't think I was there. I I thought that he was kind of in line as you know somebody who was in that next tier. I I don't know if he's there. 
but there, I, I will say this, the, the highs have been lower than I expected. Um, but Ohio state's eight, no. And I, you know, I didn't know if they'd be eight. No, at this point, I, I figured they'd they'd pick, they'd pick up a loss at some point this season and get to the playoffs. So it's about what I expected, give or take, even though it's not exactly how I thought we'd get here. Nathan, what's your answer to that question? And what do you think the texter said? I mean, like I kind of, as I, as I intimated before, I, I'd be about what I expected. I think the, the more interesting question is often is, because that's what I would expect the, the texter average answer to be also is which one of the other two answers gets more the people that think he's better than they expected or the people who think he's <laughs> worse. And again, recency bias would probably say worse would get more support right now than better. Oh yeah. Worse got 53% of the vote about what I expected him to be. Got 45% of the vote. Only wow. 1% said better. But I do think the Wisconsin game is stuck in people's minds. Andrew, to your point with the turnover situations, he's only got three. There's only 12 other quarterbacks in the country who have thrown at least 200 passes and have three or less interceptions. So he's one of those guys. And it can be misleading because there's probably some other throws that should have been intercepted. But also, according to PFF, he only has 11 turnover-worthy passes. So you you it's he's not as loose with the ball as I think sometimes it can at face value show you when you look at the numbers and then when you really go back and watch it, it's just the times when he is loose with it, when it, whether it is an interception, whether it is an almost interception or the intentional grounding or the ball, putting the ball on the ground. They're so loud typically because they're at key moments, especially in plus territory that I think they can, they can stick out a little bit. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, so have you ever, have you guys ever driven with somebody who kind of is pretty reckless and yes. you know the speed limit's 35 and they'll go 60 and you're grabbing onto the handles and you're reaching up and you're grabbing the OS bar and you're you're freaking out and then you get to your destination and you kind of make a joke about it and they look at you and go but did you die though like are you okay i feel like that's kind of where we're at with Kyle McCord like because there have been moments like the the Notre Dame game ball went like he led them on that final drive ball goes straight through the hands of a Notre Dame safety on the final like on the final drive like how did like what is this conversation like if that doesn't happen what is this conversation like if that Penn State play where Penn State had the return for a touchdown if that swings and that 14 point swing changes and Ohio State as a result loses that game I understand those things didn't happen um but it's not the the thing that I would counter with is those things didn't happen because of something that Ohio State did, right? It's not like, man, if Marvin Harrison didn't make that catch, you know, Ohio State wouldn't win. Well, it's Marvin Harrison, and you have Marvin Harrison. You can't do that. Like, if something that had been teed up for the other team to take had happened, like, I wonder where this conversation would be. And you're right. You have to, you know, he's 8-0. You have to give him credit. But the you the, the mistakes are loud or, or big or however you say however you phrased it like like they are kind of at that moment where you know you get to your destination and you're like we we didn't die we're good we made it but you look back at it and say we really didn't have to go through all that because that was kind of messy and that was almost a disaster and I feel like that's kind of where I'm at with McCord like you just keep toying with disaster and eventually it's going to bite you and it it in some ways has um but not in the loss column and i just think that 
if those moments continue to happen, it is going to cost you in the loss column. So I'm also trying to take that into consideration as we evaluate McCord through this part of the season, because again, it's not, I don't know if it's fair or not, but they are eight. No, he's led them to eight. No, they are the number one team in the country. According to college football playoff rankings, like every fan should take that. If you're eight, no, the number one team in the country. I just, I look at it and say like, there have been too many moments where it could have gone haywire that I uh, that I that I would say for Kyle McCord. Texture thoughts from the seven two seven. Feel about the same as I did about CJ at this same point in their careers. Kyle will be fine, so they still think it. There's a chance for a step to be taken, even if it doesn't happen this year. There's you know, they still think they're on the right path here. From the five one three. I voted for McCord being below my expectations simply because we've been blessed the last five years with absolutely elite quarterback play. Obviously not normal. Yes, Kyle has has shown some below average plays, but for the most part, this dude has done what's been needed to, to do and can get and can get better from here. Sure, he won't be in New York at the end of the season, but I also voted for the fact that he doesn't need to be elite for Ohio State to be hoisting a trophy at the end of the season. And I think we've undersold the impact of Abuka being out has had on this offense, looking for a great outing against Rutgers or Michigan State if they want to give him time for the ankle. Nathan, before I get into what the last texter said, how much of Abuka has, has been out? And we can even throw Travion Henderson into this mix as well. Kyle McCoy has been missing two very, very valuable weapons. And C.J. Stroud went through this last year, but he was also in year two of being a starting quarterback. The comparable thing would be if CJ Stroud didn't have Garrett Wilson and or Chris Olave in 2021. And then we're asking him to be awesome, 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 awesome all year. How big of a deal is that when we're talking about Kyle McCord, especially his production as a quarterback where his 64.1% of completion percentage, we're not used to that either. From Ohio State's quarterbacks, Dwayne was flirting with 70. CJ was over 70. Justin Fields was over 70. He's low in that category, too. How much of he's been without some weapons? How much do you do you use that when you're trying to you know, evaluate Kyle McCord through eight games and how good he has or hasn't been? I, I really think that the overall lack of consistency with the running game is maybe a, a bigger deal than missing a buka. But I think Abuka is part of it. And listen, before the season, when we were making projections for what McCord was going to be, whether we thought he, some of us thought he could be a Heisman finalist, whether some of us thought he was not going to hit that tier, but could still be good enough to lead this team where it needed to go or wanted to go, then it all was based on all of those tools being there at his disposal. And it's football, so that doesn't always happen. But that was the picture we had in our mind. So again, I think if we go back before the season and we say, okay, what are your projections for Kyle McCord eight weeks in if Emeka Buka doesn't play for three and a half games or whatever it's been now? Trevin Henderson is out for a month. Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, is playing through a, an ankle injury early on in the season, including in the biggest game of the season so far, like, or one of them. Like that's, you know what I'm saying? Like if you factor all those things in, obviously it would have changed how we would how we would gauge the performance. So I think it's fair to say that those things have affected him in terms of performance. And as it, but as it relates to what you guys were just talking about, the, the, the issue with McCord 
and especially, and again, it gets magnified coming out of this Wisconsin game where there were some extenuating circumstances. But it's not a down-to-down, oh my God, our hair is on fire kind of thing, right? It's not, and it's not a constant roller coaster ride. I feel like you're on with him. But as you said, Stephen, like they are in loud moments. The reason they're in loud moments is because it's it's when something falls apart in the red zone at Wisconsin and he makes the wrong decision. Or it's because it's late downs with the pressure coming and that's when these intentional groundings have happened. That's when the strip sacks have happened. So I think it's just a matter of cleaning up those situations. But I also understand why people who haven't seen a progression in the past three weeks are questioning whether that progression is going to come. Last thing from a texture here. This is from Mike in Utah. I've lowered my expectations a bit on McCord, but it's not a bad thing. I came into the year expecting Kyle to be at CJ's level or at least a Heisman finalist level. But I now see that is a, now see that as unfair. We can't expect every OSU QB to make it to New York, right? Open to discussion. He's a top 10 college quarterback with a great defense and outstanding receivers. I have faith that he can be slightly better than a game manager and still win OSU a game in the fourth quarter. I've given up on him being a first-round draft pick in 2024, but think he is more than capable of helping OSU win the Natty. I think he's a gamer and will look solid against these word that I'm not going to say because this is a PG-rated podcast, to the North. <laughs> then throughout the playoffs, most teams in the country would love to have Kyle as a QB. I do too. I think... I think that's correct. Well, not the, you know, the expletive. Well, I mean, listen, Software Tech, 614-350-3315. You're paying for it. So if that's how you want to refer to Michigan, then you can refer to Michigan that way through the text. It's okay. But I, I think I said that on the Monday pod, Nathan, this idea of he's not going to be the dude for 60 minutes. And your whole thing is he doesn't have to be the dude for 60 minutes. And yeah, you're right. He doesn't have to be the dude for 60 minutes. But I do think he has to be the dude when the moment calls for him to be a dude. And Penn State and Notre Dame showed us that I called it winning time on Monday. If they need him to do that in that exact moment, because they're playing a tough opponent where it's a four quarter game twice this season, he has shown us that he can do that. And I think that is more than enough for this team to win. Yeah, I don't think he needs 60 minutes of elite play. I mean, that was a point we made before the season. But I do think you need 60 minutes of stability. I think you need 60 minutes of not giving the other team the ball when uh when 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 you weren't really when you weren't really forced to do it by the by the standard that is set at this level. You know what I mean? I think that you know, the, there was a really, the, the, the Wisconsin DB did make a really nice play. Like that's one of those things that's going to happen over the course of a season, but you, you know, that's not the thing that has to be eliminated as much as the red zone one, or just, just having a loose handle on the ball when the pressures, when the pocket's collapsing, like those are the things that will cost them more than, um, be, because he isn't CJ Stroud, and Justin Fields in other ways, then he has to almost be more secure than them in other ways. He has to he he has to refine that area of his game. Um, I, I just I guess I, I'm very curious in the conversation about what and I have a, I have a specific thing that I want to get into 
a specific comparison I want to get into. Uh, maybe we can do that in the next segment. Um, but that that kind of clarifies like how we were thinking of McCord before the year and where he is living up to that standard. Because I never thought that we were comparing him to Fields and Stroud. I don't think we really thought that he was probably going to be one of those things this year. If he got to, if if it turned out that he was that that sort of C.J. Stroud level um, vision and accuracy and able to read and all those things, it would have been a pleasant surprise. We also didn't think those things of C.J. Stroud at the start of his first year as a starter, right? Like that, it was something that he had to convince us of. And he had convinced us of it, or had started to convince us of it by now at this point of his season, though with some real ups and downs and having to take a week off because of injury and also maybe to just like get his head kind of screwed on right and and deal with the, the criticism and critiques out there and kind of get a, a new perspective on the world and came back and, and became the guy that was a two-time Heisman finalist. So I, we can get to that comparison later because I think it, it does enlighten things a little bit. I do want to get into that after the break. There's one more question I want to save for now, and then we can get into some of the, the other topics when we come back from the break. Just, I asked the Texers, how much is McCord's health status impacting your view of him? Because that does matter. I think it, when we thought CJ wasn't playing so well, and then he came out and basically said, because my shoulder is falling off of my body. It was like, oh, okay, that's why. Oh, this is what you look like healthy. You look like the number two pick in the NFL draft. Cool, cool, cool. Apologies. Sorry. You got better. The options were, Andrew, a lot. I put that in all caps. I think it's been the main reason he hasn't become elite yet. It's a factor, but it's not the most important. Not that much, though I am aware of it. And not at all. His problems exist regardless of that. So regardless if he was healthy or not, these issues exist. Which of those four do you think won? And then also, what would you have? Well, I mean, you guys get this survey too. So what did you vote? I think myself and the texters are going to be in alignment and say not that much, though I'm aware of it. Um, I think that I I look at this as, you know, the problems that you or anyone could have with Kyle McCord have been kind of problems from more than just the last week or two. Like there have been kind of problems that have persisted for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, I think that there have been moments where, you know, like I said, you kind of put your hands on your head and go, oh no, with him throughout the whole year. Uh, I, I'm not sure that there have been, you know, I, I'm not sure that there has been like a significant downturn or anything like that. Um, you know, anything where it just goes from like, Hey, this is like, this is either great. And then now it's fine or it's fine. And now it's awful. Like, I don't, I don't think there has been a crazy, Oh my goodness. This is very clear, you know, RG three limping around the field in 2012. Like there hasn't been that with, with Kyle McCord. So yeah, I'm going to say not that much, you know, but I think it is fair to kind of just be aware of and kind of understand that that's going on. Nathan, what's your vote? What do you think the Texas vote is? Yeah, I guess I don't know what the massive difference is between not that much, but I'm aware of it, and yeah. it's a factor, but not the most important. I guess that's it's th- those are yeah. very close to me. I was maybe that's more fair. it's a factor, but not the most important. But I think it's also temporary. 
I mean, he's been he's been playing with this issue for a couple of weeks, and then it obviously got um, aggravated against Penn, against Wisconsin. Um, there was that run that he broke off, and he came up, and ever since that point in the game, I thought there. That's when you saw the limping. That's when you saw him sort of favoring that ankle. He's over on the sideline. He's riding the exercise bike, like so. It's a it's a factor because he's doing things and acting in ways that he doesn't normally do. But it's also mm-hmm. that was just the Wisconsin game. It may not be as big of a factor as we get to this next game. So as I'm answering it today, coming right out of the Wisconsin game, I would say it's a factor, but not the most important one, because I also don't know. And Ryan Day has been asked by me and by plenty of other people pretty directly. <clears throat> whatever he's dealing with, how is it? affecting the actual quarterback play and Brian Day is pretty dismissive of that idea. And or at least at least how is it affecting the mistakes? Like that ankle didn't have anything mm-hmm. to do, I don't think, with the red zone interception. That ankle didn't have anything to do, I don't think, with the decision to just sort of flop the ball around and get those grounding penalties, right? Um, and again, the grounding penalty in itself is not a catastrophe. The one that was almost a reverse pass, it would have been a fumble was almost a catastrophe. So like you, you, those are the ones that that's the real evaluation that's going on here. And if, if those things are in some way contributing to those mistakes, I think they would be more proactive in, especially in a game that the defense was under control. I think they would have been more proactive at getting common court out of the game. Cause that would, I think be the threshold between hurt and injured. Like if you're injured, then that is causing you to play football in a way that you it either prevents you from playing football or causes you to play it in a compromised way. And I think what Ryan Day is telling us is if he's telling me he can play and that it's good enough and the doctors say it's good enough, then that's not the excuse for why those mistakes are happening. Yeah, it's a factor but not the most important one, 46%. Not that much, though I'm aware of it, 35%. But since you like the extremes, Nathan, and we like extremes here, not at all got 13%, while a lot only got 5%. So I think some of that is being, because we just talked to Ryan Day about it, where it was the biggest conversation. It was one of the more lengthy conversations on Tuesday when we talked with Ryan Day, and he is downplaying it. Not the severity of the injury, but how much it should be impacting what Kyle McCord should be able to do out there as a quarterback in some ways or not. And I think that is, you know, people hear that from your coach. People hear Kyle McCord downplaying it when he gets asked about it. I think that's also shaping that vision there. So we're going to take a break there. There's three other questions. Well, I've already given you the answer to one, and that was whether or not you think he can win a national title if he's not elite. So there's two other questions that are about Michigan and about national championships. Nathan's got a comparison he wants to make, plus plenty other thoughts, concerns, and questions from our texters about Ohio State's starting quarterback, Kyle McCord. And we'll get into that when we come back here from the break on Buckeye Talk. And we're back here on Buckeye Talk. Nathan, let's get into that. Let's get into your comparison of, of, of Kyle McCord here first, and then we can get back into some texter thoughts here. So we basically said before the season, we kind of threw out this exercise when we're talking about whether common court had to be elite or not, whatever that word means to you, but basically like, do we think he has to be a, a Heisman winning level quarterback or, or a Heisman contending level quarterback? And the other thing that we threw out there was, well, if he's not that, then what's it have to look like? And we had said, well, what if he's Stetson Bennett? What if he is efficient, 
but not someone who is going to immediately jump to the top of NFL draft boards after this season because of all of his tools and skills and athleticism and everything else. So that was the comparison that I decided to go back and make. Like, And, and it's a little bit, I'm going to have to pinch some numbers here because obviously we're only eight games through this season for McCord, whereas we have a full season of 2021 Stetson Bennett. And that's the other point here that I wanted to make was I'm talking about first year as a starter Stetson Bennett, not the one that was here last year when he was had a full year of experience, had already won a national championship and all that stuff. So so right now, 2023, Common Cord, quarterback rating 160.13. For the season, and I don't have this through eight games. I can do everything through else through eight games. Stetson Bennett, 176.69. So ballpark, but that's still a pretty big gap. Now, in the Big Ten, usually, because of Ohio State, and right now because of J.J. McCarthy, your leader is somewhere up in the upper 180s, 190s, sometimes even pushing 200 as far as QB rating. So it it... it McCord is in that next tier down as bets as Bennett would have been in 2021, but that is still a bit of a gap. Uh, but completion percentage, almost identical 64.1 to 64.5 yards per attempt. McCord is behind. And I was actually surprised by this. Bennett was 10 yards per attempt in 2021 for the season and uh, 9.4 from McCord. And actually, this is where I can actually go off to through eight games because Bennett was actually 66.7 completion percentage through eight games and 11.7 yards per attempt through eight games. And and some of that was propped up by some uh, some big games. He had um, he had like this huge his first start ten of twelve for two hundred eighty eight yards and five touchdowns against UAB. Kyle had some big games early too, and both quarterbacks it should be said did not start the season as the starter. You know Bennett took over for JT Daniels after an oblique injury and just didn't give the job back, and and Daniels was hurt for a while. Obviously McCord was sharing with, with Devin Brown for a little bit there. Through eight games, Stetson Bennett's touchdown to interception ratio 14 to 4. Through eight games, Common Cord's touchdown to interception ratio 14 to 3. So again, like almost identical. And the, the where there is a little bit of a difference is the touchdown production. And I think that is where it's reflected the most in that disparity in the quarterback rating, where Bennett was 176.69 and McCord's 160.13. And Bennett, or I'm sorry, McCord is on a pace right now for like 24 and a half in 14 games whereas Bennett got to 29. So that those four or five touchdowns are going to make a difference in your, your QB rating. Uh, where there is another big difference, though, is PFF rating. Uh, Bennett for the season was at 84.0. That's, like, really good. McCord right now, 73.8. On their, purely on their passing, it's pretty equal. 73.9 for McCord. Bennett was 78.5. So better, but also pretty close. There's a couple of numbers here, though, that jumped out at me that, that set apart. And one is on one thing from the QB, from the, from the PFF rating. What do you think Kyle McCord's worst grade is right now of the factors that make up his PFF rating? Oh, fumble. It's something we were just talking about. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely- not even close. So Bennett had a 62.4 grade on fumbling. McCord, 39. So that's yeah. a that's a huge gap right there. That is going to make a big difference in the comparison to those head to head. Bennett also committed only four penalties all season in 14 games. McCord has already committed eight, and that would be intentional groundings and delay of game, basically, uh, or the ones that be associated with the quarterback. Um, however, one thing that I also thought was interesting in 2021, Stetson Bennett's receivers. By PFF's count, committed 14 drops. You know how many McCords have right now through eight games? It's somewhere between like 10 and 15. 
Yeah, it's 12. So 12 <laughs> already for Kyle McCord's receivers. And now, that's something that still shows up in a positive way for him in the PFF rating. It's not like they ding him for the balls that his receiver drops. They, they That's uh-huh. why they watch the games and grade it out that way. I just thought that that was interesting. And one last thing, because this is an, it's, it's, an, it's a good stat that doesn't get uh, cited often enough. Adjusted completion percentage, which is where you take into depth of target so that you get more credit for a pass downfield than for a short pass. McCord is 72.4 in 2021 for the full season. Stetson Bennett was 76.7. So at this stage in 2021, Stetson Bennett still had a game coming up that hadn't showed up in his stats yet through eight games where he was 14 of 20 for 255 yards and four touchdowns against Georgia Tech in a 45 nothing win. Um, he also had a, a weird Charleston Southern game, eight of 14, 105, two touchdowns, one interception. So I'm only pointing that out to say that Yes, he had some chances to pad his stats. Yes, he also had some games that didn't do that as much. He also still had to play Alabama twice and Michigan uh, still coming in his season. that doesn't show up through those eight games. And it is reflected in those full season stats that I was referencing. So again, I guess end of the day. Oh, also Stetson Bennett, much more rushing production. 259 yards and a touchdown for the season in McCord right now. Negative 51 rushing yards because of sacks and because he doesn't run very much. So that's another aspect of his game that would have pumped up the um, the PFF rating to where it was. So I guess my point here being either, A, maybe we didn't give Stetson Bennett enough credit for how good he was in 2021, or or we did. Or it's it's ballpark what we're looking at. And Kyle McCord is in that ballpark, but I think he does have to raise his level a little bit. I think he does have to, and it, you know, it's a reasonable thing to expect at this point. I know it's late. I know there's only four games left in the regular season, but there's also a month left in the regular season. There's still growth that can happen here. And you're also coming up on a stretch of the season where things that you do well will maybe show up more than they were against some of the better teams that you were playing before that could defend them better. You know what I'm saying? You might, you have a little bit more leeway on some of the things you're going to do here in the next three weeks, Michigan state um, Rutgers and Minnesota than, than you did against Penn state and Wisconsin. So just some things to, to keep in mind that I think that Stetson Bennett comparison that we made before the season was kind of an apt one. If that was the, like, if that's the standard we're setting, if you set that as the standard, if you're if you're if you go back and ask people, okay, grade him one through five against that standard, how close he is to that standard, I think it's pretty close. It's not where it's not a five, but it's probably like a four on the Stetson Bennett standard. And because of everything else that this team is doing now, the way that this defense is playing, the way that they have these great skill position players even if the entire offense isn't as explosive from down to down, but guys that they can take advantage of and Marvin Harrison Jr. being you know, primary among that, like the, the comparison is maybe even more apt because they're going to have to win games and maybe win their biggest games in the way that Georgia did in 2021 as opposed to the way Ohio State was trying to do it the past few years. So I remember us having that conversation and I hated it. I hated the comparison the entire time. In fact, if you go look up that podcast, I was like, no! No, why, why, why would they want that? And it wasn't just about Colin McCord's ability. It was about Ohio State's approach. It was about Ryan Day's play calling. It was about how this team has to win football games because it's how this team has built its team to win football games. And it was throwing the ball when it was time to throw the ball. 
And so I always just thought the four production would still be better than what Stetson Bennett did in 2021. Because the point you're making there was just as much about Stetson Bennett's production as it was about he was good that year. But there's like seven other reasons why Georgia won the national championship in 2021 before you get to Stetson Bennett. And right. I didn't think that we'd ever. That was the point. Yeah. And I didn't think we would get to that point. I didn't think he would get to like, oh, there's seven reasons before. If you told me Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka were number one and number two, I, yeah, I'm with you there. But I always was, I think my argument at the time was Ohio State's quarterback needs to be one of the top four or five reasons for why it's a national championship winner if it does it this year. And it's because of what they are in approach, what their offense has been, at least since I've been on the speed, along with, I don't know if I was expecting the defense to take the jump from they were top 10 for most of the season to arguably the best defense in the country. I wasn't sure I was expecting that. I thought that their next step was eliminating some of those bad explosives. So they'd be like five or six, which is good, but you still need your offense to be your offense. I don't, I'm completely on your side with this now because this defense is right now through eight games, there are some stats where it's historically good. Being under four yards per play is not normal. That doesn't happen every single year. That's elite level, different level type of defense. And so I'm with you now. I'm with the stats that Bennett. Maybe we got to find an accent for Kyle there, like a Jersey Philly one to use with him. But I do think my opinion has changed on that, not necessarily because of anything McCord is doing, but just because this defense is – probably two or three times better than I thought they were going to be ready to be in year two, even if they had some talented guys. Andrew, when you hear the name Stetson Bennett and Ohio State quarterback in terms of standard, does it make you squirm? Or do you think that's on brand for what we should be expecting from Kyle McCord this season? I think that's on brand for what you should be expecting right now. Uh, I actually have some of those numbers. So you mentioned kind of under four yards of play is is really good. So shout out CFBstats.com. Um, that website's outstanding. But 2022 Georgia, 4.88 yards per play. 2021 Georgia, 4.15 yards per play. Like those two teams were... I'm not look. I'm not going to say that Ohio State's defense in 2023 is better than Georgia's defense in 2021. Like that Georgia defense had the number one pick, Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis, uh, Devontae Wyatt, Jalen Carter was a backup on that defensive line. Like that defense was just unbelievable. So I'm not going to say that they're better, but like historic, like just for for context, that's where we're talking. Like that's what the numbers are saying about Ohio State. Uh, the last defense that, at least um, over this in this kind of recent era, the last defense to have under four yards of play through a regular season was 2017 Alabama, and they had 3.99, and they had 3.99 in 2017 and in 2016. Shout out consistency. Uh, Ohio State ending the year would if if they end the year at 3.95 yards per play, which is what they're allowing right now, and which is number one in the country. If they were to allow that, like if, if the season ended today, that would be the best mark in terms of yards per play allowed in college football since 2012 FSU and FSU allowed 3.85 yards per play. And obviously you can kind of tell where college football changed a little bit. 2011 Bama, 3.32 yards per play. Oh my God, that's just unholy. Um, but you talk about them, 
Boise had under four yards of play in 2010. 2009, you had Texas, TCU, Nebraska under four. So you, you can kind of tell where – I think it's actually kind of interesting that you could see where college football started to evolve and kind of see how the top ends of college football started to change. Um, and but that, But that's what we're talking about, right? Like Ohio State's defense is one of the better defenses statistically of the college football playoff era right? Like, and even dipping into the BCS era, like 2010 Boise state and 2011, like we're talking when Boise state was a national power, like that's where Ohio state kind of goes back to with this defense. So yeah, I, uh, you know, I think I don't shudder at it because I would shudder at it. If Ohio state's defense was allowing 4.9 yards of play, 5.2 yards of play. Like if they were not great, you know, if, if they're, you know, in the thirties, forties, fifties, like if they're just kind of a, you know, what you would expect a, a decent upper level power five defense, they're just kind of there. Then I'd be worried about that Stetson Bennett comparison. But when you say those numbers and you say, okay, 3.95 yards of play, huh? I'm not that worried about that because that defense is the best in the country right now. Is it at least as it relates to yards per play? And when you compare it historically to a handful of other teams, it's one of the better defenses the last few years. 3.32 yards per play is disgusting. That's ridiculous. Come like, on, how Saban. Is that po- how is that possible? Relax. <laughs> Come on, Saban. And they did it in a year. They didn't even have a 10-sack guy that year. The most they had was 9.5, but that's... Stop it. Stop it. No way. Okay, Saban. All right. That's crazy. <laughs> So Stetson Bennett might might I mean Stetson Bennett won two straight national championships. So and he lost one game as a starter. So that's you know, as it wasn't individually as talented as we've seen, but the dude won. And that's not at the end of the day. You're winning or not. So so here's but here's where we have to take, I guess, this comparison to the next step. So obviously he gets into the postseason, and this is where Stetson Bennett went in 2021. So against Alabama in the SEC championship game, 29 of 48. 340 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, took three sacks. So that's good in terms of production. You're took you're talking about like that's still less than eight yards in attempt though at that point. So it's a lot less efficient at that point. It it became more of a volume thing. Uh against Michigan in the playoff semifinals, 20 of 30, 313 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. They pretty much put the put the pounding to them in that semifinal game. And then rematch against Alabama, 17 of 26, 224 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, did take five sacks. So that's eight sacks he took against Alabama in two games. Uh, but the second time around, more efficient. And again, Georgia was not asking Stetson Bennett to go out and win games by himself. We saw firsthand that when Stetson Bennett had to go up against Ohio State with a game on the line, he could lead a touchdown drive in the fourth quarter of a game and 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 make that happen just as Kyle McCord has done. So I think again, Kyle McCord has that in his back pocket. I think that the the ultimate thing here is just raising that level of efficiency week by week over the next three weeks as being the most key thing for him potentially winning that Michigan game. And that's a good segue because I, I want to talk about him and his improvement and his progression through eight weeks. And here's some textic thoughts on that. One negative and one positive. Because everybody deserves a voice on Buckeye Talk. From the 4-4-0, I feel like he hasn't improved since the Notre Dame game. Has become even more inconsistent. 
you can see the potential for him and to be just what they need to be, need him to be to win it all. But he has to show it more, especially early, hoping for the best. But it's just not there right now. And then from the six one four, he's improving. So they're already on the other side of things. It's not as strong every week as we would hope. But it but he's injured and the offensive line isn't pass blocking well, especially Josh Fryer this past week. It's a lot to ask of Kyle McCord. Patience, patience, patience. We need to stop freaking out at every little mistake. It also helps that this defense is legit. Hats off to Jim. He has been as good as OSU fans hoped when we first hired him. I'd like to see him get more recognition instead of hearing OSU fans complain about Kyle. Well, we just spent a good 20 minutes there talking about how awesome this defense is. We just put it in the same category as 2011 Alabama and 2021 Georgia. So kudos to Jim Knowles on you. He's a lot, they're a lot better than I thought they would be. But Andrew, is Kyle McCord showing improvement in your mind? And if you have a specific place you want to go to in terms of where you've seen the most improvement, by all means, please do. But are you at least seeing signs of improvement, especially since the Notre Dame game? I don't know how to answer that question because, yes, I think it's yes and no. And I don't like doing those. Well, type that's of, how you answer the question. Though. Yeah. Well, I don't like saying yes and no, or like, I don't like whenever somebody says it's a yes or no question. Are you seeing improvement? And then I'm like, well, both because, you know, I, I think there, the offense looks smoother. Like when it's firing, the offense looks smoother than I thought it did against, you know, Indiana than I thought it did against Youngstown state even and Western Kentucky like I think that there are parts of the offense like I think he's finding Marv more and I think that that's an improvement I remember do you remember I mean it feels like a bajillion years ago but do you remember the the storyline week one like Marvin only had like three catches or two catches or whatever it was like it feels like forever ago that Marv wasn't targeted a lot in week one and I know we had the touchdown wiped off the board but I, I think that that's an improvement. He's been able to find Marv. You know, he said that, you know, if Marvin's one-on-one, I'm going to throw it up to him because, you know, that's that's who he is and he's going to go get it. So I think the offense is, when it's 70 and sunny, is looking smoother than it did maybe at the beginning of the year. I think that, you know, there are parts of the offense that I I feel better about. I think Ohio State has kind of especially if you can get the run game going, I think that that would help McCord a little bit more. But the parts that I just keep coming back to are like the, the turnover gene or the turnover like happiness has got to go. However you want to phrase it, that's got to go away. Like that's got to, that hasn't, I don't think changed. And it's gone back to the beginning of the year up through the Wisconsin game. And that's got to change. Like that's got to stop. <laughs> like you, you can't do that every week, right? Like the the play in the end zone where you're rolling out and you throw that to you know a guy who is just no. There's four defenders or whatever it was around him, and it was just a bad decision and a bad throw. Like you can't make that decision. You can't make that throw. I think if you make that decision in that throw against Indiana, against you know Western Kentucky, I think we would all look at it and say, wow, you can't make that throw, but he'll learn from that, but he'll get better. I mean, you're, that was his eighth game of the year. Like at some point you've got to say like, all right, when does, when do the training wheels come off? And when do you have to start saying, no, you can't do this. And this isn't, you'll get better. Like this, you just can't do this. Like when, when does that happen? So 
there are parts of the offense that I think have gotten better. And there are parts where I think just haven't improved with Kyle McCord. Like, and, and the turnover gene is something that I'm going to keep harping on until it does improve because that is what I have seen. And that is what I have thought has been, you know, kind of the, the doomsday scenario waiting to happen for Ohio state. And if it doesn't get fixed, it is going to be the doomsday scenario. So the turnover stuff has, has got to get rectified or else, you know, this, this could get like, you know, we took like, what did Ryan day say? And we talked about this earlier in the pod, one bad throw or one bad moment could wreck your entire day as a quarterback. And he flirts with that a little too much. And, and I would have thought that as we record this in early November, that there would have been more improvement in that regard. So I do think that some of this, though, how much is the Wisconsin game? If we had had this conversation a week ago, how much different would it have been? Mm-hmm. If we had done this, or if we had done this at the true midpoint of the season, I'm not saying that there weren't some indications of, of the things that happened in the Wisconsin game already. But look, here's game by game since he took over as a full-time starter. 19 of 23, 318 yards, three touchdowns, no picks against Western Kentucky. It was 82.6 completion percentage. So pretty strong debut. 21 to 37 for 240. No touchdowns or picks against Notre Dame, but obviously led the touchdown drive that is the reason why Ohio State is the number one team in the first CFP rankings, right? Uh, they don't win that game. They're not anywhere in the top four. So um, that game was significant, and the throw that he made to Mechabuka is, is part of that. Credit to Mechabuka for making the catch, too. Uh, Maryland, 19 of 29, 320 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So another pretty efficient performance. Purdue, 16 to 28, 276 yards and three touchdowns. But that was the game that he actually should have had like 320 or more yards again. He was let down by his receivers dropping the ball all over the place. Penn State, 22 of 35, 286, one touchdown, no interceptions. Took only two sacks, though, against Penn State's defensive front. And I think if you had told us coming into the season that all of those stats were the stats he would have against Penn State, uh, I think we would have liked their chances to win that game. Although, yes did also have this, the, the fumble that was negated by the, the holding, which the holding led to why he did what he did on that play. So some of that cancels each other out, but it's, it's worth bringing that up as like a, a predecessor to the, what happens then against Wisconsin, which is the first rough one, 17 to 26, 226 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, took four sacks. And that's I think that that game is skewing this conversation a little bit. But it might also be fair to say it's skewing this conversation a little bit because you went on the road against a good team, and that's what it looked like. And this season is going to be defined by when you go on the road against an even better team and what that looks like. So I both think that we can't overreact to one game, but it is fair to use that game as the standard that you have to be better than in order to win at Wisconsin or win at Michigan in four weeks. So the, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I mean, it is football. Like that's 8% of your season. That is a same, like it's a small sample size that you have to talk about. So I, I understand, you know, if you would have had, if we would have had this conversation last week at this time, but I will say, you know, kind of the moments that we have pointed out and with the turnover gene that I have, you know, and that we have all kind of harped on and we have all kind of mentioned, you know, the throw at Notre Dame, the fumble against Penn state, you know, you had that weird play against Maryland where he like tried to flip it out and it's like sometimes you just got to know how to eat it and you know the Wisconsin play you got to learn how to throw it into the stands like it was the same thing with the Maryland play where it's like hey don't you're 18 yards behind the line of scrimmage don't 
don't flip it out to somebody trying to, you know, get something back, you know, just eat it, just take the sack and, and live to fight another day. And, you know, the Purdue game, you mentioned the, um, you know, that like we, we talked about that intentional grounding, weird fumble thing where it was either if it wasn't a fumble, it was definitely intentional grounding. Like there have been these moments throughout the season that we ha- that we've talked about, you know, that, that we have said, hey, these are problems. And I think Wisconsin, you're right, was the worst example of that or examples, plural of that. You know, there have been too many of those mistakes and there had been too many of those mistakes against the Badgers. But I think that this isn't something where it was like it just popped up out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Like there had been kind of sprinkles of evidence throughout the season, whether it's just a one-off or whether there was a few plays where you kind of go, Oh boy. Um, you know, there was a Penn state couple throws in the Penn state game where you were like, that almost was not good. Like if Cade Stover doesn't moss somebody and take the ball off of their face mask. And you know, if, if a Penn state safety gets his hands on a ball, like, Kyle McCord could have had, you know, two interceptions in that game too. Like that there, there were just interceptable throws and there were mistakes that I think while not overwhelming and I I don't want this to sound too negative there are there is a, there is good with Kyle McCord. You know, I like I said B minus range, but when we're talking about the turnover stuff there had been a few of those moments, I think, throughout the year to where you can't just kind of like say the Wisconsin game is skewing things, at least for me. Can I say I don't care that much about him throwing that ball to Kate Stover? And sure, it could have been picked off, but it wasn't. And you threw a ball and you gave your player a chance to make a play and the better player made a play. I don't care that much about that. Just it's yeah, no different. Sure. Than, you know, like CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud threw some balls in Marvin Harrison Jr. in 2022, where anybody else you throw that to, it's probably intercepted. He threw a lot of balls actually in 2022, where you're like, okay, all right, CJ. So I don't. He completed the pass. Uh, like, uh, you know, I mean, I'll give you that. Like I said earlier, PFF has given him 11 turnover worthy passes this year. It happens with quarterbacks, but did it get picked off or did it not? So I, I don't, especially when it's a completion, I'm not going to ding a guy for throwing a ball that ends up getting completed, regardless of where, if he should have thrown it or not. Sometimes you got to push the ball down the field to make a play. That's why he's out there in the first place, not to be timid and take the thing that's completely wide open every single time. But Nathan, to your point, I don't know if the answer's changed that much because Wisconsin was the most drastic in terms of what's, that's clearly his worst game as Ohio State starting quarterback. but. The things that were bad about it have showed up the previous seven weeks still. So I think it still would have been a topic of conversation of, okay, he's a little loose with the ball. Okay, he tries to make plays sometimes that he shouldn't be trying to make and maybe should have thrown that ball away. Or, okay, he should have taken the sack. So I I don't think this has been completely negative. I just think that Wisconsin very much highlighted even more things that we already knew the same way that, I think the second half of the Penn State game probably highlighted some of the positives that we already knew about Kyle McCord. So I'm 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 glad that we're doing this after those two games happen because now you've got both. You've seen what the best of Kyle McCord can look like for you, but you've also seen when it can go too far left, and that's what the Wisconsin game was. We're gonna take one last break I, here. Oh, just go ahead. real quick, oh, go ahead. I just want to throw in one thing real quick. So, and someone I think people have already pointed this out. C.J. Stroud's eighth game as a starter, his first year as a starter, at Nebraska. Yeah. Two touchdowns, two picks, took a couple of sacks. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he threw for 405 yards, but it took him 54 attempts to do it. So that's seven and a half yards per attempt. That is not the Ohio State standard of efficiency. It's not the C.J. Stroud standard of efficiency. Um, if you would give Kyle McCord 54 attempts, a lot of times he'd probably throw for 405 yards too. The, what made C.J. Stroud special was the times he could throw for 400 yards with much fewer than 54 attempts. So I'm just saying that going on the road sometimes uh, in those situations that it can be a contributing factor to why those results happen um, against solid teams. And this, the this Wisconsin team was better than that Nebraska team, I would argue pretty strongly. So just something to keep in mind. Again, we're just, it's just all about context. And I think that there is a part of this that while the overlying conversation is, was still going to be there, how much we feel some of these things has been affected by this one game. And I think that's both something we need to be aware of not um, going too far with, but is also fair because of like what I said, they still had to go to Ann Arbor and win in, in a couple weeks. And by the way, that was fair for CJ Stroud too, because when they had to go to Ann Arbor again in a couple of weeks, he didn't have the interception problems, but it wasn't uh, quite as efficient throwing the ball again. And they didn't win that game. Fair. I do think the, but CJ's lead up into that game, he has started, he started to build himself some grace in a way that I don't think from a, a production standpoint, Kyle McCord hasn't quite done yet, but point taken eight games into your first year as a starting quarterback, you go on to a big 10 West stadium and you don't necessarily play that well. It happens. Once again, it happens. First year starting quarterbacks aren't going to be good every single week. We're going to take one last break here. And when we come back, we'll talk Michigan. We'll talk national championship and your confidence level of whether Ohio State can accomplish some of those things with Kyle McCord as its starting quarterback. So we'll reveal some of that stuff when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. And we're back. Nathan, Andrew, two last questions that I asked the texters. Let's start with the Michigan one first because you can't do the one without the other, allegedly, unless it's 2022 and USC just completely blows it against Utah. And then you can potentially do one without the other. What's your confidence level that Ohio State can beat Michigan with Kyle McCord as its starting quarterback. Five was the highest. One was the lowest. Obviously, you guys know how this goes. The middle one, so it was, but I won't give you what the average yet was because I want you guys to guess which had more. More people were closer to high or more people were closer to the lowest on the confidence scale. Nathan, go first. Well, I... It depends on how you interpret the question, but I would think that the it would have to lean towards the higher side of things because I just don't think that he is the deciding factor in why they beat Michigan or shouldn't be yep. as long as in a positive way. Now, any quarterback, if they go out there and just fall apart, is going to be the reason why you lose. I don't think that's a fair thing to assume at this point, though. I think if you're going out and getting the 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 upper end of what Kyle McCord has done all this season, if he summons that at at Michigan, they'll win that, you know, that, that puts him in a position to win that game as long as the defense holds up and as long as this running game uh, finds a way to, to have some consistency that day. Or if they decide the Georgia approach is the one that, that works better there and, and go away from a running game that, that's, that stagnates if it does. So I, I would lean toward more fours and fives than ones and twos. Andrew, what do you think? I think the second most votes is four. I, I think. I think people are going to look at this as, I I mean, obviously there's a lot going on with Michigan right now, but I I think that they're going to be actually confident with McCord. So I I think it's a four. 
That's always the question is, what's your confidence that the Ohio State-Michigan game gets played? But that's a conversation for another day. But yes, 38.77 said three, 34.78 said four. And then the the, the extremes are always kind of out there. It's 17.39 said two. 7.61 7.61 said five, said five, and then 1.45 said one. So there's still a level of confidence. And I think it's back to that context, Nathan, that we keep talking about. It's They're not confident that he's going to be the reason that they beat Michigan, but he's the starting quarterback, and they have the confidence that he can do what he needs to do his job along with not being number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven reason for why it beats Michigan. National title. Same thing. Literally, it's literally the exact same question, except you take the word Michigan out and you put in national title. Any changes in how you guys would guess the voters would have voted, the Texas would have voted here? I mean, if anything, it would maybe be even higher just because I think people see if, if Ohio State gets into a playoff scenario, who right now looks like they are just in a different class than Ohio State, really, mm-hmm. from top to bottom? I think they're in that conversation with with anybody right now. I think they would you would enjoy seeing Ohio State on the field against any of these kinds of teams because of how this defense travels and because this defense is it keeps showing up against different kinds of opponents and having the same result. So I think it would maybe trend even higher. I think the, the Michigan one is the one that you just wonder about more from a like mental standpoint. Like can they get over that hurdle as much as the physical standpoint, uh, the physical hurdle that there is. Um, the physical challenge of, of beating that team. Is there also something else that goes along with it? But once they're through that, even if they lose that game and get into the playoff again, I think that your your confidence goes up whoever they face. Andrew, no, any I difference? Don't, I don't think there was any difference with the Michigan and national championship question. I think it was the same. It wasn't like on brand the same with the numbers, but pretty much in the same territory. They're obviously the 3-1. 38.04% said three, 31.88 said four, 6.88 said five, 17.75 said two, and then 5.43 were one. So it, it's basically the same thing here. And that's the end of the poll here. But there are a couple of other things that Texas pointed out that I thought were interesting. I wanted to bring up on this just to get your guys' concept, your guys' thoughts on this. Hot take from the 312, I mean 321, they said this too. They said hot take. I believe if Kyle had CJ's offensive line last year, then no one is complaining about him. I'm not saying he'd look like year two CJ, but similar to year one, where he was still a Heisman Trophy finalist. Nathan, is the offensive lines, especially through the first seven weeks, their struggles, it seems like they're starting to get it together, at least in the run blocking, as we saw against Wisconsin. If, and it's a hypothetical, and, you know, if, ifs, if, if it's were a fifth, we'd all be, you know, you know what it, the rest of that saying is, but, if Paris Johnson, Donovan Jackson, Luke Whippler, Matthew Jones, Dewan Jones were the offensive line right now, everything else is the exact same. It's just that's your offensive line. Is Kyle McCord's production better, worse, or the same? It's probably not worse because, I mean, that's two that's you know, two NFL draft, three guys who were drafted, one of which was the first tackle off the board. But is his production the same or better with that offensive line? I think it's better because, number one, I think he would feel more confident against pressure um, Mm -hmm. or that the pressure just wouldn't be getting there as often. Uh, So it doesn't something 
It's not, not, not his mindset before the snap. It's just what ends up happening on the play. And then I think they'd be running the ball better. And running the ball better means that you would have fewer of those games where, you know, like the Maryland game where it's a lot of one, two, one, zero, three, one, two. And now you're looking at, at worse situations on second and third down. Now you're putting yourself in more advantageous passing situations on later downs and giving yourself more options of how you want to attack those. I think he'd probably have more touchdown passes at this point. I think I think the numbers would look better. Definitely. Is it so much better that maybe it changes your expectations for him as a player this year? Well, I think that's a that's an important thing to keep in mind that there mm-hmm. are ex- there are other factors around him that affect how the quarterback play looks. I will say right. though, even against even with those guys, I mean, let's talk about the 2021 Michigan game. Like even with those guys, sometimes you've got a rusher in your face and now what do you do about it? And like I said before, this isn't a down to down problem with Comicord. But when you're against Wisconsin and a guy just beats your tackle off the snap and now he's in your face in like 1.5 seconds or whatever, what do you do? Like what's what's the what's the option? It's not like there weren't plays last year with CJ Stroud where they called a play for the tight end to drag across and he didn't get there and so now you have to make a decision on like literally on the fly you are running as you're trying to make this decision and what do you do with it and those decisions have to would have to be better regardless of 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 who you have in front of you once in a while you're going to encounter those decisions and it might only be a couple times per game and you can go back over the totality of the season and it's not like he has failed at every single one of those again the Wisconsin game though was the one where he had like the worst fail rate, right? At at the decisions that he made in some of those especially tough situations. So that can't replicate, but I also think that it would still be a, a, a topic of conversation, just probably it would seem more nitpicky maybe at this point. Because I think the numbers would be better, but we'd also be saying mm-hmm. like, is this something we have to worry about? Like he's, you know, he's, yeah. he's his numbers are way up here. But like this thing is is just kind of hanging out in the background. Is that a thing? Is that it might only be a segment of a podcast as opposed to a whole podcast. Andrew, do you agree with that? Uh, if if he had last year's offensive line, one, I'm assuming you think he his production would be better. It's just because he'd be less worried about his production. But would it be so much better that we'd be changing the conversation of how we talked about Kyle McCord and our expectations for him this year? I think. It would, actually, if the offensive line was that good, because I think it's a butterfly effect thing where I think the run game would be a lot better. And if the run game's a lot better, if Ohio State's running the ball to win, you know, in you know, if if you can kind of adopt that, like if they did every week what they did to Wisconsin, right? Like if every week you had a runner going for 160, I... I think that that would change how the offenses run. And I think that that would change. Like, I think it it would be very much like a, I guess they could give Kyle McCord more responsibility, but this is working out perfectly where you can just keep giving him more and more to chew on and more and more to work with because you don't need him. You can just run, you can run the ball and play defense and you can win every game 31 to 10 because you're running the ball for 250 a week and Trevion Henderson has 160 or, you know, Dallin Hayden has 125 when you need him or Mayan Williams has 125 when you need it. Like, I think that, you know, those, I, I, I think that it would change the way 
that we would look at it because I think everything would be different. Like if you could run the ball that effectively, I don't think, you know, think about everything that we just saw with Kyle McCord. And if you could just run the ball for five, six yards of carry, you would avoid that, right? Like if you could run the ball for five, six yards of carry on Notre Dame and Penn State and everybody else that you play, you would you would do that because the defense is awesome. And you would kind of get to this moment where it's like, you know what, if we can run the ball and score 30 points and oh, yeah, by the way, we still have Marv whenever we need him. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, I, I think it would change things just because I think the entire offense and the way that this team plays football would be different. I don't think we'd be talking about Marvin's Eisman Trophy candidate because it was just default to quarterback with Kyle McCord. Even if he wasn't necessarily always playing at a Heisman Trophy level, I think his production would be better enough along with just like the reputation of Ohio State quarterbacks that you would default the quarterback first. While right now, I think Kyle McCord's numbers are okay at best. We already pointed out what those numbers are, but they're not so good that it's overshadowing what a skill player is doing. And I think that's the big difference there. While also, I, I, I agree. I think the run game would be better or I mean I don't know they struggled running the ball at times last year too so maybe it wouldn't have shown up until Penn State that the run game needed some issues they probably wouldn't have been struggling running the ball the first four weeks the way they were at some times uh maybe we also don't know what last year's running would have looked like if if Henderson and Williams are both healthy all season so you can you can take last year's rushing production just put healthy dudes in there and it looks better I think that's that's a fair point because, I mean, Travion Henderson is coming off of a game. We had 162 yards and a touchdown and 24 carries. So that's a fair point. A healthy Travion Henderson, a healthy Mayan Williams definitely changes the equation. I thought that was a good discussion. I thought we got a good mixture of people who are frustrated with the quarterback play while also people who are not as frustrated and okay with what the quarterback play is doing. But overall, I think the conclusion here is from the summer, Nathan was right. <laughs> he was right you know <laughs> that you don't need to have a Heisman Trophy quarterback at Ohio State to win and to comp- compete for a national title obviously Kyle McCord's got a couple of hurdles to get through still and so does Ohio State Michigan coming up at the end of the year potentially getting on a playoff stage and playing teams like Georgia and Florida State or Washington who might make you have to score more than the 32.5 points per game you're averaging right now or maybe not maybe your defense is not elite that you can play a game in the 20s and 30s and still win that football game. We'll find that out later on this season. For now, Ohio State's going to prepare to play Rutgers on Saturday, and uh, we'll be there, all of us. And uh, as you're listening to this, you know we're recording the game preview pod, Ohio State versus Rutgers, a uh, bowl-eligible Rutgers team, which I think, I don't know if, I mean, they're not, I don't think they're going to win. I don't think Rutgers can win, but I do think they propose a different type of threat than Ohio State has seen, especially that quarterback. So we'll get more into that on the Friday game preview pod. Get the text 614-350-3315, whether we're talking with Dan, Jim Knowles on Tuesdays, whether we're talking with players on Wednesday evenings, Day's lightning round on Wednesday evenings, Day's radio show on Thursday afternoons, and anything else that might pop up, recruiting, anything else, to your phone first before anywhere else, two-week free trial, $3.99 after that. So for Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.